Welcome back to Broken Messenger. Today's episode is kind of going to be geared towards my fellow brothers and sisters who are called to teach or are leaders. Um, so let's go ahead and just jump in. Hopefully you find this to be an encouragement. Scripture says in Hebrews 4.12, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Swords, we know, are a weapon used in battle. We must use scripture to battle. We also know from scripture, when Jesus was in the wilderness, that Satan also wields the sword. We often see, though, that he yields that sword, he, he wields that sword in pieces. His MO is to take a verse from scripture that excludes context or is only half the truth. One example that we're going to get into is one that Satan would be perfectly content to use to keep those who are called to teach from their calling. This scripture comes to us in James 3, verse 1. Satan would use this single scripture alone to strike deep fear in those who are called to teach. A fear that would keep someone from even trying. It says in James chapter 3, verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And I think to myself, I don't want to be more judged, judged more strictly. I'm a hot mess. I don't need more judgment. I bring enough judgment on my own. I'm not going to teach anybody because it's not worth it. But we can see here, if we use context and continue the scripture, it, it could actually become a very encouraging scripture for teachers. So let's start with the historical context. When we think about being a teacher in today's world, it's not a really coveted job. It's not a glamorous job, and honestly, it's not even a very respected job anymore. But in the area of when this, but, but in the era when this scripture was written, teachers were held in a high regard. They were prestigious. They had knowledge and power, and everybody wanted that prestige, power, and knowledge. Everyone wanted to be a teacher. So James is warning them that not everyone should desire to become a teacher. Notice it doesn't say no one should become a teacher or no one should desire to become a teacher. James knows that some are and will be called to teach. He knows the cost will be high for those who are called to teach. James also knows that those who are called to teach by God will exhibit wisdom. In the same chapter, just a few verses later in verse 13 through 17, James, speak, James speaks of the wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility, that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambitions in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and unspiritual, demonic. From where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. The wisdom that those are who are called to teach doesn't come from within us, but instead it comes from heaven. Those that wanted to teach because they wanted the prestige did so from selfish ambition. And James is telling them basically, be warned, what you desire will come with a high price. Satan is content to take only that one sentence in scripture to strike fear in those who are generally called to teach. We know that God is not the author of fear, though, and Satan is. So if we keep reading in James chapter 3, on to verse 2, it says, We all stumble in many ways. 
Now this is where those who are called to teach can take encouragement. The book of James is written by James, the brother of Jesus, and he was a leader or a teacher in the Jerusalem church. And he says, we all stumble, meaning even him, even the teachers and the leaders stumble. Even more encouraging, he says, we all stumble in many ways, many. Not we all stumble or we all stumble once or twice, but it says we all stumble in many ways. He goes on to say, anyone who is never at fault in what, is, what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. James is saying many of us will stumble, and I think he's indicating that our mouth will be the cause of many of our stumbles. Control of our mouth is not just about what we say, but it's also about what we don't say. My study Bible cross-references this with Matthew 12. There we find Jesus speaking, and he, he says, starting in verse 33, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted by your words, you will be condemned. By your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. So self-wisdom does not come from heaven, but it, is er but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. We know that all the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit. So if we become teachers using self-wisdom, we will be condemned by our empty words that we speak. But if we become teachers with the wisdom from heaven, then, our mouth, then out of our mouth will come the words of heavenly wisdom. Now, does this mean that every word that comes from my mouth is wisdom from heaven? Absolutely not. But we have the encouragement in scripture from James when he says we all stumble in many ways. So if we continue to store up the good through scripture, worship, fellowship, wisdom, we will continue to have the overflow of good. This scripture in here in James also balances out the scripture in Titus. Paul is writing to Titus to advise him or remind him of what he called Titus to do, which was to appoint elders in every town, create organization in every town. He goes on to say in chapter 1, in Titus chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, since, any overseers manage, since, since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not giving to drunkenness, not violent, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable. One who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now, Satan would be content to wield this piece of scripture to keep leaders, teachers, or elders from accepting the call on their lives because what I got when I read this was you have to be perfect to be a leader and I'll never measure up. So if Satan can't get us to be afraid of punishment from being a teacher, he will condemn us to being never good enough, never being perfect enough. That is why it is imperative to use scripture to interpret scripture. Going back to James chapter 3, verse 2, it says we all stumble in many ways. You see, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be the perfect example for everyone. Only Jesus was capable of doing that. He was the perfect teacher. 
In Titus 2, 11 through 12, Paul says, For the grace of God has appeared to offer salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to self be self-controlled, upright, and live godly lives in the present age. You see, the grace of God is teaching us the way to live, the way to be an example. We don't just suddenly, bam, know everything. But instead, as we walk out this life, we continue to learn, we continue to grow in our faith, and that is the example that we're supposed to be. You see, Jesus was the perfect example. No one else is able to match that. But we're called to be the example of trying to imitate that walk. And when judged for every idle word we speak, our words will both acquit us and condemn us. And it's the attitude of the heart that is judged, not the sex successfulness or unsuccessfulness that we are judged on. And for that, my friends, my fellow teachers, my fellow brothers and sisters, I am incredibly grateful for God's goodness. I'm incredibly thankful for the full word of God and not just the parts and pieces that Satan tries to wield against us. I hope you, these words found you with encouragement that we are called to be a teachers, leaders, guiders. We're called to do those things. And because we're called, we have the wisdom from God. We have the wisdom from heaven, it says. And for that, I am thankful. I love you all. Have a good day.